0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another awesome episode of the Area 13 e-bikes podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the place where you can learn all about electric bikes, products related to them, and most importantly, the people behind the scenes. I'm Jessica, one of the awesome team members with Area 13 e-bikes. And I have to say, this interview was so insightful, and really, it helped solidify which bike rack I'm going to get. Today's guest is Brian Wax with Quicker Stuff. Quicker Stuff came to life in 2020 in Grand Junction, Colorado, the brainchild of Brian Wax and J.T. Westcott. And as a passionate outdoor enthusiast, they both felt a calling to provide high-quality recreation products that were 100% invented and manufactured in the United States.
1: He wanted to take advantage of the fact that he had this 15-year history of customer feedback, and he wanted to take it and take it to the next level and profit from it. To the guy's credit, he's obsessed in the best way with making a better bike rack.
0: This is the Area 13 eBikes podcast. All right. This morning, we have Brian Wax. And he is here with Quicker Stuff. Brian, I'm so pleased that you decided to join us today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so pleased that you asked with all the cool stuff you guys are doing.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I know that recently we featured the Quicker Stuff rack in our YouTube video. And Kyle was very impressed. This rack is very different from others out there. And the first thing that I noticed was that it was very compact, but it's also extremely strong. Can you tell me a little bit more about that rack?
1: Well, Cal Phillips has a history of basically creating the hitch rack space with his other company. I'm not allowed to name it, but you are, um, legally, just so you know. You probably know his other brand. And he listened to his customers since 2000. I mean, he he was direct-to-consumer on the internet from 2000. He only sold direct-to-consumer. He only made one rack that he iterated on for 15 years, listening to customer feedback and such. And... He exited the company in 2015, and then he decided, I want to make a better version of the rack. He started going business for himself, and then after a few months, he decided, I need help. It just so happens, I was in the market for buying a rack, and I saw some fine print on his website that said, contact me if you want to license this. And you know, being the crazy serial entrepreneur that I am, I did. We started talking, and then he said, okay, I choose you and your agency to start helping me market. And then we started talking about manufacturing. I said, well, why don't you visit Grand Junction? We have this little aerospace oil and gas manufacturing hub here. And DT Swiss is here. Canfield Bikes is here. MRP is here. You know, why don't you come here and check it out and see if we can introduce you to some manufacturers? So we did. And he chose JT Westcott, who's my partner now. JT started manufacturing these things. And after a few months, Cal said, you know what? I can't do this. I'm too old and I need help. So we made a deal with him and we licensed the technology from him. And to his credit, he fixed the six problems we like to call it with his old rack. And he added 14 more patents. And he listened. To me, that's the true challenge of any entrepreneur is, are you willing to set aside your ego and listen to the feedback of your customers?
0: And in a recent article, he actually said, it's listed on your website as part of his story. He said, I'm an inventor. Critical thinking and innovation are second nature to me. And he was working for OneUp Rack. I know you can't say the name, but can you confirm that that's true?
1: Yeah, he used to own the company. That's his old
0: company. So he was the owner. Was he also the founder, the creator, everything from the beginning?
1: All the above. He was the head debtor in charge.
0: (laughs) So what made him spur off and do his own thing? I mean, That's obviously a very successful company.
1: I think plain and simple is his work was not done. He didn't exit in a way that he wanted to. He wanted to take advantage of the fact that he had this 15-year history of customer feedback and and he wanted to take it and take it to the next level and profit from it. To the guy's credit, he's obsessed in the best way with making a better bike rack.
0: You offer the Mach 2 single rack with the two-inch hitch. That was the rack that we reviewed. Kyle was extremely impressed. It's you know made of high quality aluminum. It's compact, but it holds a ton of weight. So what makes this rack different from other racks on the market?
1: I think it's a combination of Cal's experience listening to customers and jt's experience being an aerospace manufacturer. I mean, the two of them together took this thing to a whole nother level. We have one washer on this rack that's from a company, an aerospace company in Germany that jt got. It's slippery to the proper amount that JT said this works and this material is ultimately recyclable. So, therefore, we're going to use this one washer, but that's it. Everything else is stainless steel or anodized aluminum. The trays are powder coated. I mean, every little detail Cal and JT went through and iterated on, even from Cal's original design of this Mach 2. And JT is constantly Shutting down the line and saying, Hey, we want to do a tweak using lean principles.
0: So you're saving time, you're saving money, and you're making sure you're producing the best product. I'm very familiar with lean principles. So that's fantastic. And one of the things also about this rack that I really like is that it has a one key anti theft design. Many of those locks you can't lock on. Some people are worried that their racks are just going to walk off, even though they're heavy. But this actually locks on. So you can go to the store and not worry about your Bike rack being picked up and walked off.
1: I personally have never heard of that. I'm sure it happens. But yeah, I think that was a big part of what Cal learned was how do we make it easy on the consumer to carry one key? And another thing that we do, by the way, is you cannot just get a key from us. You have to prove that you're either a prior customer. We've actually had one customer so far sell their rack to a cousin. And we went through the process of making sure the rack wasn't stolen or anything like that before we would issue additional keys. So we keep that in our database.
0: That's really important because I know even with some bikes, the keys are universal. So if someone has that key, then they can just unlock the bike and ride off. And that's been a problem for some manufacturers. So that's important for the rack too. I noticed also that the strength of the wider tray, it actually fits heavier bikes, which specifically says including e-bikes. And the wheel sizes are from 12 inch to 29. And with some bike racks, it's really not that flexible.
1: Yeah. And we knew and Cal knew that the e-bike movement was coming and it was especially coming from outside the US. You know, Europe and Asia were really embracing e-bikes, knowing that we had to make a family friendly buy it once type of rack versus buy it and the parts break and then you throw it out because it's not worth repairing. They wanted to make sure that it was just easy for somebody to use and universal, so mom and dad could put on their e-bike, and their kids could put on their thirty-pound carbon fiber mountain bikes, and their kids can put on their sixteen-inch bikes. It was a big focus of his and of ours. But how do we make it easier on the customer? Like that ramp is made of the exact same material as the trays, and that is not to save money, because certainly that's an expensive little rack. Well, it's made that way because. We know that we've seen e-bikes up to 125 pounds. We don't want that ramp to collapse on you.
0: Yeah. And when you say easy as well, there are no tools necessary to install it. I can't say that for any other rack that we've reviewed. They always take tools. It always feels difficult, but this actually doesn't require any tools at all.
1: That's correct. And that was a big thing that Cal and JT wanted was make it easier on that customer.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And then it fits cars, SUVs, or trucks. So it's ready for a two-inch receiver, but you have a convertible version. So it can go from one and a quarter inch to two-inch hitch version as well. Correct. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Most people are buying the two-inch by far. It has more capacity. So you can do four bikes versus three or the one and a quarter. But for certain people, they don't need that capacity. We have a lot of people that are just buying two trays. and. It's fine for them.
0: And what's that weight capacity total?
1: Depending upon the configuration, it's up to three hundred pounds. Right now, that is a an insurance figure. Our insurance company said, "Look, we finally broke the rack at twelve hundred pounds. Let's keep it at three hundred pounds for a few years to get feedback from customers to make sure we're safe." So we all agreed. Let's keep it at three hundred pounds.
0: And really, the average e bike is probably about seventy pounds, just depending. At 300 pounds, this rack can take it. It's You're not going to worry about putting a couple of e-bikes on this rack at all.
1: Yeah, so far we've had zero issue. The function of how far the weight is from the rear axle is the actual physics. It's not from the hitch itself. The vibration, the wobbling, for a better term, starts at the rear axle, apparently. So the farther that last bike is away from that axle, the more movement it gets. That's why we have a weight chart on the FAQ as to how you have to align your three or four bikes to make sure that you're in good shape.
0: So it sounds like you're making it easier to not only install, but to be an owner of this rack. You want to make sure the customers are educated so that they're not going to come back and say, oh, this happened. That way they have the information and they're prepared.
1: No question. I mean, we want to make it easier, but also we've learned and i'm sure every company has learned this that the customer has to take responsibility too you can't just get behind a car and not know how to use the brakes you have to know how to use this rack you have to wiggle it when you install it when you're tilting it up and down you have to wiggle it there's a lot of pressure on in there on purpose when you're putting the bikes on and you have to get on the end of the bike and push that arm one final tug on each side because it's the pressure against the tire what holds that thing on. You just can't close the arms and walk away. We've already had one customer. Ironically, I actually ran into a customer in Moab and he's an engineer and he wasn't putting it on right. He was like, lucky I met the guy. And I said, you're an engineer and you didn't read directions. He goes, I know you're right. People got to take responsibility. They got to slow down and protect not only themselves, but think about the liability if that bike drops off the back and hurts somebody behind you.
0: That's why you've created this to be safe, to make sure that it's made of strong materials and that you have directions and you've really poured through the questions to make sure you're answering all of those. I see that uh, there's actually a question that says, What if I have fenders on my bike? We do sell bikes with fenders. So I'm sure our listeners are curious as well.
1: Well, there's two easy solutions, and we're actually creating a third as we speak. Because of Cal's history with his old rack, The simple solution is you just put the arm on the fender and it's going to hold, you know, whether it's a steel fender or whether it's a plastic fender. Now, to protect the fender, right now, we're using just pipe insulation with a piece of Velcro so it doesn't scratch the fender. But we're making a third way of doing it um, that's in the design phase right now to attach the rear wheel of the bike to the tray. In the front wheel, it's never a problem. You know, fenders basically don't go past, let's call it 11.30. They go from 11.30 to like one thirty on the clock. On a rear wheel, they go from sometimes one thirty all the way down to 3 o'clock. Well, with this type of system, you have to push the tire, the wheel down toward the tray and forward. So we're actually creating a, another product for, and mainly it's for these really heavy e-bikes just for additional safety measure.
0: So you had mentioned that with the one key anti-theft system, it locks the rack to the vehicle. But what about locking your bike to the rack?
1: So we also have wheel locks that we've created that basically go through the wheel and lock the bike to the rack itself. They're not listed as a product. They're hidden because we're making sure from an ethical standpoint that people in line of the production queue are getting their locks first before somebody who just ordered it today gets theirs because we're still working down from a five-month wait right now. So if you go to the FAQ about wheel locks, it talks all about them and has pictures and such. We actually have a new video coming out soon to show everybody a little more detail on how those work. It's all the same key again.
0: That's awesome. So I know we also have a lot of customers that have RVs. So are the racks rated for RVs?
1: Yes, and there's an FAQ on that.
0: We do have a lot of customers that have RVs. So are the racks rated for those vehicles?
1: Yes, if the hitch is attached to the frame, that's key. Yes, we have a two bike maximum on the two inch model. And again, it goes back to that physics of the wobble or in physics, it's called the moment. It starts, that whole wobble starts from the rear axle. And if you think about an RV, the distance between the rear axle all the way out to the last bike could be a very long distance. So that's a lot of up and down motion. So that's why we limit it to two bikes.
0: Okay. And if someone wanted to come to your location to make sure that it's installed correctly on their vehicle, is that something that you offer?
1: We do. We love it. There's the rule though. They're coming to our factory. They have to bring a local food from their region. <laughs> this is our rule.
0: Well, that's not a terrible rule. I think that's fun.
1: Because all of us talk about, we're learning from each other different cooking and and stuff like that when we were talking in the factory. So we've determined since we're, that's the only time we want to see the consumer is if they educate us about something agricultural.
0: Hmm, That's fantastic.
1: We've had some funny situations with that. Oh, you have? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes.
0: Can you tell me what people have brought?
1: People brought cheese from Wisconsin. Nice. They've brought fruit. They've brought American olive oil. This is fun.
0: Amazing. So when I pick my bike up, should I bring you some lutefisk?
1: Okay, why not?
0: <laughs> you will never want to talk to me again if I bring you Ludafisk, trust me. I know
1: what it is, too. Oh, no. Wait, wait isn't that aged fish?
0: Yeah, it's pretty terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I won't eat it. I'll be I'll be happy, but I won't eat it.
0: It's from my region.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny.
0: <laughs> if I don't want to come visit, because I don't want to poison you with the lutefisk from <laughs> Norway... <laughs> What about delivery? If I were to order, let's say today, how soon do you think I could get my rack?
1: Well, to be conservative, I would say five months. Here's what's going on with us. So let's talk about supply chain for a second. So, number one, we were a startup in January of 2020. So, not a lot of companies wanted to even deal with us. They had other consistent customers that they wanted to supply aluminum, et cetera, to. Now, because of JT's reputation, And his 30 years of experience manufacturing, we got in with a foundry in Salt Lake. It's a national company and they have one outlet in Salt Lake. So we were able to get aluminum extrusions. They have been incredible. Now, incredible also means they've been struggling. I don't know the latest figure, but I remember at one point they said they were 30 people short in their foundry. So I don't care if they have 300 employees or 100 employees. That's still a big number. It is. What they were doing was constantly telling us our lead time is 26 weeks. It's 35 weeks. At the maximum, it got up to 42 weeks. So the bet that we had to make was based on our performa and my confidence in marketing this, we ordered aluminum quarterly based upon what we thought the need would be. And we placed those orders 42 weeks ago. Wow. We just got our first quarterly shipment in January, at the end of January of 22, after waiting 42 weeks. By the way, it's down to 38 weeks now. So that's some good news. But we're trying to guess, based upon budgets, what our sales are going to be 38 weeks from now. That is crazy. My CFO, I cannot believe he's not bald by picking all his hair out of his head. That exercise is challenging, to say the least. The orders that we thought that we were going to fulfill upon became much greater than we thought. So we actually stopped marketing basically saying, we just need to concentrate on these customers who are coming in organically and not try to grow the company too quick because we're constrained by the aluminum mainly.
0: You've got a pretty long wait list already. So it's not like you really need to bring in a lot more traffic with that right now.
1: Well, need and want are two different things. (laughs) True. We want to and need to to become a viable company. You know, right now, in the normal sense of the word, when it comes to banking and getting lines of credit, et cetera, et cetera, we're technically not bankable yet. You know, we still have to personally sign and guarantee loans and things like that to expand to make this a profitable company. Especially when you're building a factory in the U.S., you have to get to a break-even. Well, we're close to our break-even, but we haven't surpassed our break-even. Part of that is a function of volume. So we're constrained by our supply chain, but at the same time, we need to increase volume to become sustainable. Am I concerned about it? Of course. If Sears can go bankrupt, so can we. We're being very, very conservative with our cash and what we spend money on. And right now, as a supposed internet marketing guru, I am having to take my ego and set it aside and say, Brian, you are not going to use your capacity as a marketer. To grow this company right now because it would be stupid. So, right now, it's all about focusing all of our efforts on existing customers. I'm happy to say, from a customer service standpoint, existing customers say we're doing a good job. I know people who are asking us questions from the outside probably don't have the same view because for us, it's you gave us your money, you trusted us, it's all about you, Mr. Customer and Mrs. Customer, right now. Well, some people, to their credit, they have a need. You know, I'm going vacation. You know, every once in a while we get a refund saying I I got I got to take the kids on vacation. I got to go buy something. It's like we get it, no problem, hundred percent refund guaranteed. We understand that. By the way, I don't think we're average in the marketplace. I actually think we're in the top end. If you look at the two bike average right now, we're six forty nine plus four forty nine, so that's eleven hundred dollars for two bikes. So we're up there. Is there more expensive? Yes. Do I think they have what we have? No, but I'm a wrong person to ask. I'm biased.
0: I would wait a year, probably more to get this bike rack. To me, it's highly affordable, especially the performance and what's included on what I've seen with other companies. Right now, the Mach 2 single rack two-inch hitch is 649 That doesn't include the add-ons, which are necessary. And I might've just been looking at this like, oh, you know, I can lift a Sixty-five pound e-bike, no big deal. If you want to do it in a way that's not going to break your back, the ramp is really important.
1: Yeah, agreed. We hear that constantly. We're selling way more ramps than we thought we would. I think it's up to thirty percent of all the racks we sell. They are ordering an integrated rack, which has the same key system, also, so it's easy to store it and easy to use it. Yeah, I mean six forty-nine for the whole bike hitch system for one bike, and then four forty-nine for the next. Bike. You know, if you have a one and a quarter, that's up to three total bikes. If it's a two inch, up to four total bikes. Again, depending upon your weight distribution. And me and my sensibility, and JT and Cal and all of us, is we're looking at the value we're providing. How long can you keep this rack? How long can you keep other racks? You cannot find this rack or Cal's old rack on eBay on Craigslist, anything. These things last a long time and they're fixable and they're recyclable. That's what we're interested in is value.
0: And what's the warranty on them?
1: A lifetime warranty on defects.
0: Wow. There's a video also on your website where there's a woman standing by her SUV. I haven't played it because we're on this call, obviously, but the racks fit into the back of her vehicle. So when you're not using it, if you need to transport it for whatever reason, or let's say you want to ride off on the trail and you want to put it in the back of your vehicle, it's possible.
1: Yeah. That was a big thing that Cal learned too, is that sometimes people just want to hang their rack on a hook on the garage. They don't want it on their car all the time. And that was a big thing too, that, you know, you open the box, you unfold it in 30 seconds, you're off and running.
0: And it's made in the USA.
1: Grand Junction, Colorado.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, I can tell you, I'm going to order one of these racks and I will wait. I'm excited. It's, it's made well, it's priced appropriately, and with a lifetime warranty, it's kind of a no-brainer.
1: We would like to think so, <laughs> but we're entitled to our opinion just like you're entitled to yours.
0: Well, also, it's not very heavy, so once we get the bikes off of it, it's very easy to put into the back of the vehicle or into the garage.
1: Yeah, that was very important that Cal learned is the two-inch or the one-and-a-quarter, they're both like 28 pounds. And then the add-ons are 22 pounds so that anybody can lift them. You know, some racks that you have to have two people to install them and they're not easy. That's why we're only going to sell a one and always have add-ons to make it easier on people to use these things.
0: And then also you have an add-on for the license plate holder?
1: We do. If you buy it all at the same times, it'll come pre-mounted onto the first left tray, but it's easy to install if you get it later. The racks are all pre-drilled, so you can put it on the first tray, the second tray, whatever you want. I leave it on the first tray because sometimes I just ride around with my Subaru with one tray, so that way I don't have to move the license plate brackets all the time. It's just always there. We're also designing another version of a license plate rack with lighting on it. Most of the world requires turn signals, license plate light, and we want to be proactive and start designing that. So that's on the on the roadmap.
0: Great idea. I know in Europe, they're really big and often required and they're hitting the US, but not a lot of people are doing it. So I like to see that you're on the forefront of the technology to make sure that we get that here and that things are going to be safe.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think it's it's important because sometimes with these big bikes, the brake lights get hidden.
0: They do. And the license plate gets hidden. And when you're spending that much on an e-bike... And then you have to spend money on a rack to get it around. You need to protect all of those things. You need to protect your investment. So making sure that you're easy to be seen, you're not going to get rear-ended as easily because people can see your lights and they can see your license plate. It's more comforting for the driver and for those that are around them.
1: Here, here on that. <laughs> make it easier, make it safer. I agree.
0: Yeah. Those are very true words. And they're very much aligned with what you do and what you sell on a daily basis. And I'm so happy that you took the time to join us on the show today. And I just can't wait to see what you do next.
1: Yeah, thanks for reaching out. So cool what you guys are doing too.
0: Well, thanks. I'm just
1: so impressed with what I see with everything you guys are doing. So I'm humbled that you reached out.
0: Of course. Well, we love what we do and we want to bring those types of people on the show as well.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: We love sharing more about e-bikes and people behind the brands. So if you have a guest suggestion, email us at info at area13ebikes.com. And if you want to share how you're getting involved in your e-bike community or what you want to learn about next, let me know. I can't wait to hear from you. Don't forget to check the show notes for helpful links to register to win to get a bike and join our community, even sell a bike and so much more. Oh, and If you're in the Grass Valley, California area, this is an event you do not want to miss. Join us at our first customer appreciation day at our headquarters at 13120 John Bauer Avenue, right in the heart of Grass Valley on August 6th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We will have opportunities to win a bike. We're going to have awesome test rides happening all over, huge sales, and of course, massive amounts of fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next week.